It's time for the Hadit.com It's time for the Hadit.com radio show. Hadit.com radio is an in-depth look at all things VA. If you need help with the VA, log on to Hadit.com. Now, here's your host, Gerald Cook. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, on this uh, 23rd day of uh, September 2015. We're here with our co-host, Jay Basser, and today our uh, in here with us is uh, the one and only Berta Simmons. Uh, tell you what, anything you need to know about the VA, she can tell you. Uh, uh, John, uh, how you doing today? Uh, we had a I'm question from Paddock. Uh, yep, we had a Yeah, let's get this under control. Uh, folks, there's a question people have asked, and uh, it's a pretty important question. So get you a pen and paper and handy, and you can write this down, and you can get on the archives. People don't want to know where to send claims to anymore because the regional offices say, you know, you've got to send them somewhere. So There's been a lot of confusion in the last six months about the VA intake centers. So here's the best uh, question, the best answer for your question. <clears throat> now I want to do this Foxworthy style, okay? If you live east of the Mississippi River, you send your claims to the Department of Veteran Affairs Claims Intake Center, Post Office Box 5235, Noonan, N-E-W-N-A-N, Georgia, 30271-0020. Their phone number is 1-844, which is toll-free, 531-7818. Now, if you live west of the Mississippi River, this don't include living on a boat in the middle of the Mississippi River, but west of the Mississippi River, you send your claims to the Department of Veteran Affairs Claims Intake Center, Post Office Box 5235, Janesville, J-A-N-E-S-V-I-L-L-E, Wisconsin, 53547-5236. Their phone number is 844-822-5246 or 844-VA-CLAIM. So that information is now listed in the archive. The address is there, so if anyone wants actual, they can come in and get it. Uh, I will post a link to this on Hattie after the show because uh, there's been some confusion on this and hope this clears up and helps a lot of veterans. Now, let's get back to the show. Here's Gerald. you want. 
want to call it. Uh, but it's very important to have one. I mean, to tell you, uh, there's so much information you, you need to have uh, in, in case you, you have a death in the family or something uh, of a veteran. And you want to have this folder where the pertinent information is available, and you want to keep this in a safe place, such as a bank deposit box, unless you have a, a safe at home, a fireproof safe or something. But, uh, Berta, uh, what's some of the items uh, that need to be, for certain, be in this folder? Uh, well, for sure. Your DD-214 and your DD-215, if you have one. Uh, the second thing I always think is most important is to make a list of all your passwords, your PC passwords. If you pay the bills online and your wife doesn't or her husband doesn't, they need those passwords because those bills, um, you know, are going to come after you expire <laughs> too. But the most important thing you can have after passwords is how you get access to Hadit, your Hadit password, uh, because believe me, they will need us. Uh, the only problem with the um, evidence intake center, as far as I can see, is they do get your evidence quickly and they do pass it on to the regional office fast. At that point, if the regional office reads it or not, that's another problem. But uh, one problem I see, uh, John and Gerald, is uh, in March, of course, they changed uh, the procedure for electronic filing of claims. So for an initial claim, uh, can that actually be filed uh, with one of the intake centers? Because there are some veterans groups and NBLSP suing the VA to change this system because it makes it impossible for any veteran or spouse without a computer or even a veteran uh, hospitalized or in a nursing home or something, they, they don't have access to a computer to file a claim. Uh, and they may not have an access to an, a service officer who could do it for them. Right. So that's the scary part about this uh, intake center, which I was, was surprised a- because... Oh, that was the ahead, VA's John. version of that was the VA's version of uh, let's sneak something through the Federal Register and get it through. That way, you have to use the actual forms and the, you know, the computerized forms and everything printed out and filled out and send in your claims. And the veteran used to be able to write his claim out on a napkin and turn it in, and they'd have to accept it. So I guess it's kind of taken away of order of due process, and that's why the lawsuit's been uh, has been initiated because it is taking away due process. Even the today's Absolutely. computer tech world. A lot of vets don't have computers. No, they and, don't. And uh, a lot of vets, yeah. So this is the VA stacking the deck in its favor, just trying to get around doing stuff. And it was a yeah. bonehead move. So, yep. And I don't have a status like, on these lawsuits, but it'll be interesting because uh, these, the, the whole procedure is detrimental to veterans. The, the whole whole It's getting worse and worse by the day. We are losing our rights all the time. I mean, yeah, we had VA more changes. rights 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah. The VA uh, changes the rules in the Federal Register like we change underwear. <laughs> yeah, they do. And, and this mm. stuff didn't come up for public comment that I know of. 
Uh, and if it did, I mean, uh, you know, it, it's just like the new PTSD criteria. How many veterans got on there and, and griped? Uh, there were some members from Haddock. I sure griped. Lawyers griped. VSOs griped. But they only had six or 800 people that were griping. So they figured, well, you know, the heck with it. We're going to push this through. And that's why today a veteran needs an MH diagnosis of PTSD from a VA shrink. Or, you know, that was what here's a new one. Fighting for, huh? Here's a new one. Some of these IMO docs now for PTSD, they're starting yeah. to see the veterans. They're starting to actually treat these veterans as a treating physician to get around that little statute. <laughs> well, yeah. As long as they're treating the veteran, yeah. Well, there, there is a veteran that had it that's, that's challenging this, and I hope he does because he uh, uh, has an IMO from Dr. Uh, Brett uh, Valetti. And uh, we did a show with Dr. Valetti. He was at the end of a show with Dr. Bash. And I'm thinking that if his, his opinion as an MH professional for PTSD and the diagnosis outweighs the VA CMP examiner, uh, that will be a, a victory for a lot of veterans. I just don't know how the VA is going to handle that because I haven't seen it happen yet. Whereby <laughs> it has to go to, a veteran, still have to go to the know. CABC. Yeah, and have to but go to the know, court. Well, yeah, and and uh, I don't think anybody's challenged it that far yet on the criteria. But um, something to really think about, even though this is a show on death, uh, it, it, it's one more right that the VA managed to take away from veterans or their survivors trying to prove their, their husband had PTSD for whatever reason. Uh, how yeah, is the, the, the deceased veteran going to get that type of uh, diagnosis uh, when they're dead? But, uh, no, uh, so uh, basically it's a DD-214, DD-215. Um, I have all of my husband's Social Security awards in my death file. Um, I, I don't probably wouldn't need them, but you never know. I've got my birth certificate. When I die, that's the place for the family to put the death, my death certificate. And um, I, I also have all of my VA award letters. And uh, another thing about computers, uh, uh, if your spouse is not up to date on the computer, it is important that he or she gets up to date. Because yes. and, and this goes for uh, spouses and um, uh, partners in um, uh, uh, same-sex marriages that are recognized by the VA. Anyone uh, that could possibly be eligible for a death benefit or accrued benefits, uh, they've got to get up to date. Because I tell you, I don't know how a survivor could possibly get through that system today without knowing how no. to use the internet, John. Uh, he'll also be forced to depend on a vet who might have his head in his butt because a lot of these vet reps do not understand DIC. They don't understand accrued benefits. Uh, and I made a point that had it, you know, at some point I'm going to retire because I'm getting tired. I, I want to go back to school. I want to do something different with my life. Uh, it's not that I'm abandoning and because everything I know about DIC is there. And uh, we need a lot of our members to get a little bit more up to speed on it. There's a lot to it. Uh, it's simplified uh, in the criteria. 
but uh, you might end up with a, a widow who was never married to the veteran. If they're in a common law state, the widow is still entitled to a benefit. Right. Uh, you know, people have to know all these little nuances because uh, VA can make VIC miserable. Miserable. Well, I thought we could. I thought we could maybe go out on a little limb today and uh, maybe go ahead and uh, discuss this ourselves and give a little, make a little cookbook up for the listeners, and uh, you know, kind of put like one, two, three, four, and five like item numbers, and they could yeah. actually listen to this show and write this stuff down. But uh, you know, you really touched on some awesome, awesome subject matter there, and uh, you know, because uh, I like yeah. to put down. You now, if I'm making a list out for my spouse, which I already have. Uh, and the first thing is, if you've got an on, if your spouse or if it's a veteran has an ongoing claim, the VA. Right. And the ongoing claim, and they get sick and they could pass away. Uh, you, the first thing that needs to happen is the spouse needs a substitution claim in a file yeah. ready to submit to the VA. That's number one. Because yep. if he dies, you don't have a substitution claim. The, the claim dies with the veteran. That's right. That's right. And that's a very important I subject, have, you know, especially. Go ahead, Yeah, that form is it had it. I, I, I yeah. don't remember the name of the form, but that form, that's a good one, John, to bring that up right away. If yeah. they feel they're eligible for accrued, they only have one year after the veteran's death to file specifically for accrued. There are no exceptions on that, unless it's an Agent Orange claim. Agent Orange death claim. Uh, another thing on your list, uh, there should be a blank 21-534 in the file. But now I'm wondering, because I'm looking at old notes that I had, are they going to allow survivors to use that for, form and send it in by mail, or do they have to get online and, you know, to the VA website and file that form electronically? And you, I can't... You know, I don't know if they've really you, covered that yet. But no, but you can print the form. You can actually mail it to the intake center. You know, it really don't have to be online. They prefer it to be online because it makes their jobs easier and they have less papers to to, to manually, yeah. you know, handle. And, uh, of course, I understand it makes their job easier, but also understand that this is not, uh, you know, this is not rocket science, okay? This is the VA. And yeah. the veteran yeah. does not have, you know, the ability to actually email or send stuff by computer and they have to have an alternative backup system which is the old paper system and the VA will yeah. never get away from the paper system because that's the way that that's the way it is I mean maybe in a hundred yeah. years I see a lot of you know, a lot of most electronics but still you got paper people you got people that live out in the areas in the boonies uh, and right. they you know they don't have no chance at all for internet you know even people at 100 miles from their town so they've got to yeah. on mail and print and stuff so you know, oh, it's all, uh, I, I, I hope so. And uh, yep, I kind of so. hope that these veterans organizations, I hope they win their lawsuit uh, so that it will de be definitely an alternative for all veterans and all survivors. Uh, one thing important, too, on the front of the death file uh, is my C-file number. Yes. Um, right there. Uh, just in case yeah. it gets lost in the shuffle, it's on the front page. And um, the VA... And the SSA has to be notified immediately. It's veterans getting, yes. you know, SSA money. They have to be called immediately. 
the marriage license. Write the phone numbers. Put the phone yeah. numbers down there on the outside of the folder for both of them. Yep. Good idea, John. Uh, yeah, the birth, so. the marriage license should be in there because the VA more than likely, even if they have it, they want another one. <laughs> the yes. marriage license and birth certificates for any children uh, uh, under yes. 18 or maybe even up to tw- age 26. Uh, yes. If there's potential for CHAMFA, uh, uh, I mean, checks 35 for them. Yes. Uh, so Chapter that's 35. their birth certificates. Oh, and something very important. On the 534 form, I haven't filled out one of them in years, but I am assuming that the restored entitlement application is still attached to the back of that form. A rep benefit will pay... Gee, uh, how can I explain this? Uh, let me put it this way. I was receiving Social Security based on the death of my husband for my daughter until she turned 16. It used to be until 18. They changed that. She uh, received a smaller Social Security payment uh, until she joined the military, and I think she was 17 when she graduated. So that was the end of that. Uh, The reps benefit, and I actually had explained to some dope at reps what it was for, uh, could conceivably involve uh, the deaths of many veterans. I mean, my husband was a Vietnam vet. Uh, uh, he was 47 when he died. But it, it didn't matter. The reps benefit that I applied for in 1995 still stood because all of the evidence was finally there after he died. Uh, and I've done articles on this benefit at com. What happens, and it actually actually got them squared away on what they were doing. I had a real nice guy at reps, but a new guy came in to take over his job. The guy didn't have a clue. What they do, they they need the Social Security Award. It's called the Social Security Mothers or Fathers Award, where they terminate your award because your child has turned 16. And I had a copy of that uh, at in my desk file, luckily. Uh, they needed uh, a statement from the school. I already had that when she graduated for the age of her, date of her graduation. And it was probably uh, one other thing, which I believe was the actual award letter that proved uh, my husband died directly due to service. That That is a criteria for reps, service-connected death. And finally, mm. when they got spurred away, uh, about four weeks later, it didn't take very long. Uh, I got a check in the mail that was, I think, about $20,000. Because people sometimes don't realize how much Social Security can be withheld over a two-year period on the Social Security survivor's benefit of a parent. Mm-hmm. So it's something no one should overlook. And my service reps didn't have a clue on reps. The reps benefit. They they didn't know what that meant, and they were not interested in it. But luckily, I filled it out myself anyhow. It's very important. So any veteran who dies today of a service-connected disability causing or contributing to their death, who has children uh, who may be older now, but whose living parent 
fell under the criteria of the age 16 cutoff should definitely make sure they apply for that benefit. Uh, I've read oh, a few how, how far do they go? How far uh, does it go, Bert? At what age? What what age does benefit stop at? Uh, I I think I think the cutoff date is actually eighteen or when they graduate from school, high school. Right. Uh, if they go on to higher education, there might be just different criteria. I think. But I, well, I Social forget, Security still I, pays. I Pardon me. Huh? I was told they cut it off at eighteen, regardless. That that might be true. I mean, this this is a benefit that Ronald Reagan did away with. That might well be true. I just can't remember the actual regulation. And when I read the regulation to understand it myself, you have to fit your evidence into the regulation. Yes. So anyone okay. with small children, uh, uh, my daughter, uh, after my husband died, she was I, I think she was uh, turned sixteen night. The next year, I think I forget how that worked, but in any event, I didn't get that benefit until almost I mean, in two thousand and ten. My husband died in before. I didn't get the reps benefit until I got my award for direct service connected death. They don't pay wow. it for the eleven fifty one death. Yeah, but the point is, it's still a retroactive award. Uh. Although I think a lot of people, uh, like maybe the age that my husband would be if he was still alive, they may or may not have children that fit into that age criteria at the time that benefit was lost to the parent. It's it's a death benefit. Mm. But then again, this covers stepchildren, natural children, and adopted children. Good. They are still considered the children of the veteran for VA dependency purposes, and uh, reps is no different. But uh, and of course that that information should be right at the back of a 534 form. Which one of these days I better look at that form up and see if it's still there. Um, yes. Oh, uh, some more things for your um, list. Um, there should be a note in there to the spouse to get at least six or seven raised seal death certificates. The spouse will need many of them. I think I needed about 12. Uh, There's a lot of, I think, you know, like for the deed for the house, uh, for my property tax exemption. So the more they have, the better. Um, Six is a good start, and I understand there's still $10 uh, for death certificates. Uh, they'll set, definitely need them for any insurance policy. Yes. Uh, you know, life insurance policies. Um, uh, I don't know if people have any um, credit account. I, I wrote this down. Credit accounts that have a life insurance waiver on the balance. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know why I made a note of that. Uh, well, they oh, have and they used to have, uh, back in the day, they had uh, credit life and credit health insurance on credit cards and loans and things like that. On a, oh, yeah. And if you become disabled or you passed away, then it was paid for. Yeah. They've since done away with a lot of that because uh, yeah, they're losing it's too much shame. money. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Uh, uh, my Army husband, when he died, 30 years ago, he, um, 
he had credit insurance on uh, our car. They paid off balance. Yeah. And I think he had it on some other waiver on some sort of insurance. But in any mm-hmm. event, uh, yeah, thanks for telling me that, John. They did away with all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but make sure the spouse has a note, probably uh, the actual policy, the VA, any VA life insurance that they have, uh, service-disabled life or whatever it is, uh, because they should be contacted right away, too. Is it serviceman's life? I forget what that's called. Service, yeah. What's service? It's SGLI. Yeah, SGLI. That's yeah. it. Uh, life insurance. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one good thing about life insurance, they pay within about 10 days. As soon as they get a copy of the death certificate, and they usually always ask for the policy, the actual policy. But I, if you don't have it, I don't think you're going to quibble about it. Uh, but that's another good thing to have in your death file, life insurance, yes. any life insurance policies at all, uh, in case they do ask for that. And mm-hmm. that will give a survivor, um, if they have insurance, it will give them uh, enough money uh, to get through, you know, some of the um, catastrophic expenses that can happen. I mean, your whole life changes overnight. It can um, change, yes. You know, um, uh, also, uh, I've mentioned this before on a few shows. Uh, well, I'm real big on uh, cremation, and I'm real big on trying to be an organ donor. And mm-hmm. even though everything my husband had was pretty well shot, you know, brain trauma, heart disease, <laughs> diabetes that was never treated, he was a mess. But he wanted to be an organ donor. And uh, uh, I, he was able to be one. Uh, his eyes gave two people sight. His skin in those days was used for burn victims. I don't know how they harvest skin anymore. And they also mm-hmm. took all the long bones in his legs for cancer patients. Now, this, this was 20 years ago. Uh, they may have a different criteria. But I never dreamed at the time, because the organ bank called me, Within hours after he died, I had already called the VA and the Social Security office. And uh, if that decision by my husband had never been made, it would have been up to me. So it's something that, you know, to really think about in your lifetime. I mean, my husband didn't have it on his license. I don't have it on mine, but my regular doctor said, Bertie, just stick a note on around your license. Uh, and it'll, you don't need to print it on your license in New York anymore. Yeah, where I just signed a simple note, I want to be an organ donor when I die, and I gave her name, my doctor's name, my PCP. Mm-hmm. Um, but one good thing about uh, organ donations, you get a free autopsy. I was shocked to find out how much autopsies cost, John, without yes. going through an eye bank. Thousands. I was absolutely shocked. And I didn't I know this was, for years. Uh... I think it was, what, over 3000 in Arkansas? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, as a matter of fact, and it, it was Dresser's wife that brought that to us, and I checked around yeah. in a couple states and found that that is the charge for autopsy. I never knew that. I was shocked. That's outrageous. Um, it, it, it is. It is. Uh, you know, uh, and, of course, it, 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 if a person died, it, it might appear to be 
possibly due to a crime, I, I don't imagine that they would be charging for an autopsy if the police were. No, state, the government, the the law enforcement area pays for that one. If there's any, if there's suspicion of foul play. Yeah. Yeah. But still, you know, gee, sometimes I think uh, maybe uh, every uh, survivor should claim suspicion of foul play when their husband died. No, no. But you get that free autopsy. <laughs> it sounds crazy, <laughs> but. Uh, if I had not gotten an autopsy, I have, would have never, ever proved any of my claims for DIC. Never. Or my, my FTCA case. Because the autopsy... We always stress the importance. It's, it's imperative yeah. that, it, that that be done on veterans. Yeah, because, if I you're mean... Born in, yeah. I mean... And, of course, if, you if, if a veteran has... Oh, go ahead, John. Well, no, I was just well, trying, I, I, I'm reiterating the point. <laughs> yes, you are. Uh, you know, and of course we know if a veteran is 100% serves connected for 10 years, their spouse isn't mm-hmm. going to have any problems and would not really need an autopsy at that point. Uh, but then again, uh, we have a, a, a widow at the board today whose husband died of a type of cancer that she's going to have a hard time getting his death service connected. Um, uh, if he should die, I mean, he's he's not dead yet. I, I'm even a little bit uncomfortable talking about that claim, but they're thinking ahead. The husband is worried, and he's worried for her. You have to, Berta. You have uh, to be proactive. Yeah, yeah, you have to. And uh, uh, so there's some cases where you know, it, it, if the if you have IHD from age and you die of IHD, bingo. You know, there's not going to be any need for an autopsy. But if you die from something other than that, like pneumonia, mm-hmm. uh, well, which is depends too. Now, you know, um, if you're like, take out. The, let's look at the big factors, okay? Let's look at what can kill you. Let's take out cancers and things like that. Let's take body systems, heart disease, lung disease, and diabetes. Yeah, yeah. Those three issues uh, pretty much cover everything. If you have lung disease yeah. and you get pneumonia, then then the lung disease probably causes pneumonia. So you know that's right. how you look at it. Okay. Yeah. So you know, if the veteran had lung cancer, uh, service connected to Agent Orange, if that's listed as the secondary, the second contributing factor, and they die of mm-hmm. pneumonia, there's not going to be, there should not be any problem with that type of DIC claim. The All contributing right. factors are very important. Yeah, because it's listed. <laughs> And, uh, <laughs> yep, it's a primary mm. and then a secondary factor, and, and mm-hmm. the secondary factors are are just as equally as bad as the primary, uh, and maybe the the secondary would be the prime factor for VA purposes for DIC. Right now, remember how the reg states it doesn't have to be direct to the death as long as it attributes to the death. Yes. And um, okay. I forget exactly how VA, but it must make a substantial contribution. But yeah. if it didn't, it would probably not be listed as number two on a death certificate. Well, you know, it could like be a, a uh, ailment that's secondary to your, uh, for instance, secondary to heart disease or secondary to lung disease or, or what have you, couldn't it? Yeah. Well, uh, well here's a good example, guys. 
if you're service neck for, high, for hypertension, okay, no matter if it's compensable or not, if you're service neck for hypertension and you have a stroke there or you, you have go. an aneurysm that blows, that should be covered. You follow me? Uh, right. But you know what? Yeah. That's the claim I just won a few uh, months ago, John. You mm-hmm. need a medical opinion. Because I got some dumb quack trying to go against me on uh, uh, the most obvious kind of claim that you can file. It was an 1151 claim. And what they did is they ignored. My, my evidence went right to uh, the place in Georgia uh, with the... On my 5103, I also listed it again with the VA, and it came from my top cardiologist at VA Central Office who already gave an opinion on it for my FTCA case. And here I get a CMP exam. I couldn't believe how stupid it was. I mean, easy for them, but we just ignored the evidence. And then when I raised hell and I filed a cue against them uh, by email, they, they, they turned around and awarded. But... Uh, it, it, it just goes to show what we're up against, uh, John, yes. the critical evidence. And <laughs> they had to award it because my husband's primary cause of death was, was coronary artery disease, ischemic artery disease, mm-hmm. untreated by VA. And stroke was the secondary primary mm-hmm. condition, multiple transient ischemia and uh, let me Let me ask you a question, if, if you don't mind answering. Now, your husband, he had heart disease, right? Yeah. Your husband had heart disease, okay. Now, he probably didn't have diabetes when he diagnosed his heart disease, right? Uh, I want to claim he did have diabetes. Untreated. Okay. What I'm thinking, what I'm thinking is, did they start giving him statin medications after the diagnosis of heart disease? They start pumping him full of Crestor and Lipitor and all that other uh, stuff? No. <laughs> No, uh, John, they now practiced him from the get-go uh, for heart disease mm-hmm. and diabetes mellitus, right from the right. get-go. Good, and because there's the a lot of studies thing, now. Yeah. Okay, go ahead, Bert. But see, but, uh, what I did, instead of filing 1151 for the diabetes, I filed for direct service connection because it was an agent of disability. So I have three award levels on three separate series of death. And that's what happens when the VA malpractice. And they, yes. it, John, if I, you know, I had a lot of trust in the VA. 10 o'clock on a nice, beautiful day in October, 21 years ago, my husband, he had just called the VA to find out that his claim had not moved. It was one of these deals where they told him in June, oh, call back by October, we'll have a decision. Yeah. And he was, he got very upset, and uh, he said to me, he said, look, it was his, see, he had an 1151 claim and a PTSD claim pending. He said, look, if the VA tells me, I want you to go after them. And I said, oh, honey, they're not going to kill anybody. You know, we, I, I had trust in them, and so mm-hmm. did he. But we knew something was wrong with his PTSD therapy, and he felt by sending an 1151 claim about his PTSD, he kicked in that he felt that his PTSD was not being properly treated. And he was right. He was right. And he said, and and, uh, and I feel that if, in any event, if I die from heart disease or I could even have another stroke, he'd already had one. He says, I, I have a feeling uh, these things that will 
contribute to my death, and these are things that the VA will have caused. Well, what he did is he wrote in, he, he, he couldn't type anymore. He dictated it to me. It was very dramatic. And I started thinking, geez, this is the strange 1151 claim. You know, I don't know how it's going to react. But like you said, he made me promise to, uh, you know, uh, to fulfill his wishes. And when he died, in those days, I had to start from day one on his claim. But he he was pathetically malpracticed. And the thing is, and I didn't have any medical, I knew a lot about neurology. I I didn't understand anything about diabetes, heart disease. My parents didn't have heart disease. They didn't have diabetes. I had an uncle that had a stroke. Yeah, I didn't really know what a stroke was, to tell you the truth, and why someone would have it. And I felt that they were giving him adequate care because here they are, doctors. Well, what a big mistake for me to assume that, you know? And, of course, sometimes I would think, well, he's got PTSD, he's got a little bit of paranoia, a lot of anger towards the system. You know, I figure, well, what does my husband know to say these things that the is going to kill him? But you know what? He was right. He was right. Uh, he was misdiagnosed terribly. And um, luckily, um, I developed a medical background to win those claims. Dr. Bash helped me with the DM2 claim. But I really didn't, my, my evidence was quite clear as it stood. What I feel bad about is any survivor who has an odd feeling why their spouse died under VA health care if they've got a real bad feeling They've got to get those medical records right away. And, and unfortunately, they're going to need an independent medical opinion on them. Or at least if they have a nurse, nursing student, or somebody in the family medical school, even a high school kid, you know, maybe for a couple bucks, they would just go over it if they know medical acronyms or if they can, if they have any background at all in a disability. Uh, they can help that survivor think about the possibility that they might have a lawsuit against the First of all, I would think about doing that, but personally, if my does pass away and, and, and there's got a little bit any inclination of funds at all, I would send the information to Dr. Bash and let him look at it. Because, well, yeah, that I is, mean, that, that's, that, that's if, you want, if you want to win it, send it to him. That's all i got to say. Yeah, and you would need an IMO anyhow. They're not going to believe a nursing yeah. student or a... But uh, every art sale I could to find uh, medical books and nursing books. One of my <laughs> husband's doctors who misdiagnosed him died, and I went to his yard sale, and I bought a lot of his books on cardiology. <laughs> and I, I gave myself a medical background in, in cardio and neuro and endocrinology, enough yeah. to the point that I knew I could have 50% confidence in paying for an IMO. You know, like, mm-hmm. I didn't want to make that investment until I was 100% sure to, you know. Right. And, of course, That's the right. VA doesn't care any, any what a lay person says. They cared when I sued them. But my Evidence was impeccable. I mean, the well, VA had no choice, huh? 
that's what you that's what you run into, Bert. And you know, folks dealing with a regional office. You know, they're a regional office, and their job is to take the claims and adjudicate them and make a decision. Well, a lot of these issues on this claims process in terms of decision-making capabilities, they try to interpret what laws and regulations they have because they're using the M21 manual and they're having to go word for word, line by line, and all this other stuff. And basically, legal precedence kind of goes out the window there. Uh, then you ask for a DRO review, and the DRO, who still works at the regional office, you know, he can grant the claim or he can still deny it. But when you get to the next level, the next two levels, the BBA or the court, Legal precedence actually takes a lot more precedent than it does its regional office, and that's why veterans win so much at these two levels. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's well, just, but well, that's just the way it is. Yeah, a lot. Of, I, I'm sure a lot of these regional offices don't have a clue on its own regulation. Yeah. I mean, uh, well, <laughs> you know. Tell you the truth, Berta, they're not doctors, and they're not allowed to practice medicine, right? That's right. That's right. They're not. They're not attorneys. They're not allowed to practice law either. <laughs> <laughs> Boy. Boy, I'll tell you, it's it's really it's really something, John. Uh, I've been around the VA for three decades now. I can't believe how bad it is. But I, I have a little bit more advice uh, for uh, in the death file. Um, a note to your spouse to save your driver's license. My husband's driver's license. Part of my proof that he had diabetes. <laughs> you never know. And uh, uh, save the veterans. Um, they probably have a little black book of phone numbers and addresses of people that you may, you know, not realize. Uh, maybe you should have to call them after he dies. They would want to know. It's always a good opportunity to save that. Uh, you know, different friends he's made over the years. There may even be buddies in there if you need a buddy statement, you know. Um, and, and I wanted to bring out one other thing, too. I always say death brings the best and the worst in people. Uh, there is no reason to go buy some high-priced coffin, you know, a funeral home when, uh, if you talk it over with your spouse in their lifetime, they probably wouldn't want you spending all the insurance money that way. Anyhow. Uh, you know that people have to be careful because they are um, uh, vulnerable. Also, they shouldn't leave their house unattended for any long period of time. I live in the country, but I had a neighbor that would drive by my house about four times a day when my husband died. When they did the funeral service at the VA, because there are people out there that read obituaries. Just mm-hmm. you know, when your house, you know, yeah, the, when you're at, at the viewing, when you're at the funeral, they 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 figure, that's oh, sad. there's probably that's nobody happened. home. Yeah, yeah it, it's terrible, but me. people. Uh, oh, and one more very important thing: uh, make sure you have a health care proxy and DNR signed and in the death file. Um, my doctor asked me for a copy of my stuff uh, a couple years ago. DNR, do not resuscitate and my health care proxy, and I gave her a copy of it, and I think it's part of Medicare now that if you have a private doctor, they have to ask for it. I don't know if the VA has that policy or not. I I think, well, they have some sort of a policy. They have to have it. They ask about advanced directives, too, and that's part of it. 
Yeah, advanced directives, yeah. And uh, that that's very important stuff. Um, the VA got in trouble with one of those directives, too. Apparently, they resuscitated a veteran against his wishes mm-hmm. and caused him to be in a coma that just prolonged his death for a long, long time. Uh, and his family was furious because it was a do-not-resuscitate thing uh, form signed by the veteran in his uh, medical file. So yeah. I don't know what they did. I don't know what kind of action they could take against the VA. Uh, but it's... Um, uh, you know, really upsetting. Um, uh, there's a lot to death. Um, yeah, it's overwhelming, Berta, really. And it's uh, it, it, hard it for people. It can be. It, it can be. It's just awful. Oh, another thing, too. I mean, the veteran, a lot of veterans had retirement plans. My husband uh, had a um, teacher's annuity retirement plan from one of his jobs. These are things that should be in the death file, too. Uh, any type of uh, retirement pension that might be in an annuity amount or some sort of payout. Uh, I mean, I think sometimes people forget, even forget about this stuff, you know, from former employers that they might still have. Yeah, you but, keep um, everything. You keep all your records in the file. Yeah. But, uh, and you got to protect it, folks. Oh, That's the biggest thing, you know, because yeah. things happen to, to people. I think Boy. you need to make copies of everything and keep your your uh, originals in, like a safety deposit box. And, yeah. And uh, you got your copies at home. Of course, on mm-hmm. death certificates, you need the originals, all the originals put in the on them. The important thing is that when Social Security gets a copy and the VA, of course, that those are things you got to send out right away. Um, and, of course, uh, if any veteran wants a military funeral, uh, uh, well, I'm, I'm going to take this article that I, we did a show on this uh, quite some time ago, Gerald, and I typed a lot of this out. I'm going to post it at the website again. Um, because there's information there if you want to be buried at a VA National Cemetery and if you want a military funeral and it's got the requirements there and everything like that. And that's important, too. Um, Oh, absolutely. (coughs) Yeah, boy. Most funeral homes help out with that, too, Bertie. You know, most funeral homes will help you out with that, too. 
Oh, oh, well, yeah, yeah, they will, they will. Uh, however, uh, my my funeral director did not. The only way my husband got a military funeral is because I put off his funeral for about a month at the VA because he had his best friend was out of town working for DOD and could could not come any sooner to, to the funeral. So we put it off with no problem. But when I, oh, I wrote my husband's obituary. That's another important thing. I wanted to make sure that the important things about him were in that obituary. And I, I gave everything about his service connection. I, I put every award he ever got from the military in it. <clears throat> and the funeral director checked everything I said with his DD-214 and his 15, and he said, oh, good, you did the job for me. I don't have to do it. He said, this is fine. Well, good thing did that because the American Legion saw it in the newspaper out of Corning. Uh, we don't have a newspaper where I live. Uh, you know, I mean, I live in the sticks. And they called me up right away, and they said all they had to do was get their uniforms ready and bullets, and they had plenty of time. And they said, you know, we should have been notified about this a lot sooner. They told me that it, the funeral director should have called them. And the only way they knew about it was that he was service-connected because his obituary was in the paper, so they stayed right away, service-connected. He was in two branches of the service, and uh, I, I was horrified to find out how, that that was a close call because I, I, without that military funeral, it would have been an unacceptable burial for me. I wanted to honor him the best way I could, and unfortunately... They pulled this on a widow about 10 years ago over at the same VA here in New York. They never took went through the proper procedure for her husband to get a military funeral. And she didn't know, John. You know, she had no idea what she was supposed to do. Uh, she brought, probably ended up with some lackadaisical funeral director, and he didn't know what to do. And she showed up for the service and then got up to the cemetery, no color guard, no volley, you know, gun volley, no nothing. And uh, she was really angry. I, I don't blame her. Uh, but, you know, it's one thing, you know, if that's what you wish, you know, and you're eligible for that type of burial, it, the wife has to know. And that way she could touch with the American Legion herself and make sure that the funeral director has done that as well. Um you know, there's so many important things. Oh, one more thing. Yeah. And I mentioned this show at my prayer meeting yesterday because we have a lot of veterans in our um, in the church I belong to, and they were quite surprised. They're not members, uh, but one of them I think is going to listen in. Maybe two of them are. They can listen in as guests, I think, to the show. They were quite surprised that we do death shows, end-of-life shows, veterans. And uh, I said, well, you know, this is a, a reality check. And and actually, uh, I propose to do one for our uh, senior ministry at some point. Because, John, it goes for everybody. You know, whether you're a veteran or not, there's certain things you have to think about with your spouse in your lifetime. Right? Well, absolutely. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to, tell you, to tell you the truth, when I 
I get the question pretty regularly, you know. I've got some folks that are, you know, basically getting ready to go through this whole thing, and they keep wondering what to do. And then uh, I'll just send them an email with a link to one of the shows we did on it and say, here's what you need to do. And oh, people ahead. are like, thank you, thank you. So, you know, you can use these. You can use any of these archive shows as an answer. It's like if you oh, have a yeah. hand issue, you know, you can just oh, copy absolutely. that show. So you, you know, so. Absolutely, John. Uh, and we're yeah. fortunate that we have a lot of archives, uh, you know, that are available to anyone at any time. I told my prayer group that, too. I said, if you don't, you know, if, you, if you're, I know that none of them are members of the site. Uh, one of them is one of my closest friends, and he does look at the site. Uh, he's a minister. There were a few ministers there. They're also veterans too, <laughs> you know. Uh, so uh, and there was quite a bit of interest about it at the end of the prayer group. But there's one thing before our show is over that I wanted to bring up too, and this is for everybody. I thank God that I knew CPR. I learned it in 1959. In those days, to graduate from high school. You had to know how to swim, and you had to have a CPR certificate. And I guess they've eradicated all that by now. That was a long time ago. Uh, uh, I asked my daughter one one time, when did they invent the wheel? And she said, Mommy, don't you remember? You were there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, long well, ago, when I think... That's a trick question, <laughs> Barbara. Yeah, that's I know. That's a trick question. But what, they're still, they're, they're still tweaking it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But uh, when I think back to uh, when I, these requirements, when I graduated from high school, my instructor said, if you ever need to perform CPR, it's going to be probably on somebody you know well and love. And my words will come back to you at that moment. And guess what? They sure did. Uh, my husband died as I was giving CPR. It, you know, it was just his time to go. But I want to tell you, I live with a lot of peace knowing I tried everything I could think of. And it was not easy calling the dispatcher for EMS and breathing in his mouth at the same time because in those days it was mouth-to-mouth. These days you don't need an ambu bag. You don't need to do mouth-to-mouth. CPR has changed considerably. It's easier. Uh, and I think that every spouse should know it because it can be lifesaver. I mean, when I read my husband's autopsy, I knew he didn't have a chance. I mean, he went down and died in minutes. And as soon as the ambulance got here, I told him he's dead. I, I know what death looks like. There's certain things about dead people you can tell right away. But they said, no, 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 and they put they they put the you know the heart thing on and everything. Uh, he had not turned blue. But the reason he had not turned blue is for 15 minutes I had been blowing my breath into his mouth, oxygen, with the oxygen. And, you know, uh, they didn't think he was dead when he got here. But when I read the autopsy, there was nothing I could have done. There was, you know, if the ambulance had been parked at my house that day, they could not have saved him. But yeah. still, it gave me peace of mind, and I know plenty of EMTs and uh, medical people who have saved lives with CPR, which is easier than ever. And Michael Jackson should, should still be alive. I'm still angry that he's dead because his own doctor 
didn't know how to do CPR. I mean, that's scary. If Michael Jackson's doctor didn't know how to do it, how many doctors at the VA really know how to do CPR? And would they even do it if they had to? I think what do you do? Just set them up, murder, and kick them in the chest a few times? Yeah. Well, yeah. It, it's really kind of scary uh, because I think I think, and I hate to bring up Michael Jackson's doctor because I think he was a very good man. Don't get me wrong, and he was probably a good doctor. But I think he he panicked so much that he went blank. He knew Jackson well by then. He was making a lot of money from Michael Jackson. I just hope that other doctors don't go through that panic mode. You know, if uh, you know if if they see anyone crumble on the ground, uh, you know CPR is easy to do. And believe me, you forget. You you can't panic. You forget who you are. You forget who that person is laying there. You just do what you were taught to do. And uh, I, I just can't stress it enough. I think it should be mandatory on marriage licenses that people show CPR certificates. I know. I'm, I, I must sound like I'm not. Mm-hmm. But, but you never know. You never know. Well, I think they should teach it in high school. Yeah. They should. Yeah. But yeah. the problem is, is, the problem is now is the education system has gotten so derailed from the actual cause and meaning and things like that, that uh, it's become more of a robotic institution. And it's, uh, you know, my personal opinion is homeschool your kids because these education systems, they're based on uh, tests and things like that, and it's just it's really, really difficult. And your tax money is supposed to go pay education, but, you know, you still take your taxes from it, but you still, I still wind up giving the school several hundred, if not thousand dollars more every year. Boy. Boy. It's a, yeah. Yeah. But I guess, uh, tell you what, Berta, I want to, before we run out of time, I want to thank you for coming on today. You always, always are a breath of fresh air. Oh, well, thank and, you, John. Uh, These shows are uh, so valuable. I appreciate the work both of you do. Uh, it's not yeah. easy, uh, you know, and, uh, of course, I, I come to the show and all I can think about is, uh, you know, uh, Mike, you know, who I hope he's listening in <laughs> wherever he is, and I'm sure he's in heaven. And I, I hope his wife has some peace, and uh, I hope she's applied for DIC by now, too. Oh, yeah, and she's getting it, Berta. Good, huh? Uh, oh, good. Yeah, yeah uh, she's, a, uh, you know, they had their, uh, uh, just what we're talking about today, they had their folder put together, a spouse oh. folder, Good. and uh, uh, she went in, and uh, he still has two claims pending, in which she's oh. uh, already uh, give that paperwork to, uh, substitution paperwork to the uh, VA. Oh, good, good. And, I bet one was from 1151. Good. And she got her social security squared away. Uh, Good. Which she oh, just that's wonderful. wonderful. I, I spoke to her just uh, uh, well towards the end of last week. Yeah. Oh, good. She, I was really uh, tickled for her. She she oh. done a good job, and 
And it really took a lot of stress, you know. Uh, yeah. She well, I remember. Together real well. Uh, I remember many times Mike was so worried about uh, when something happened to him uh, because he felt that she wasn't keeping up with his issues the way she should be. You know, like things like that where maybe she didn't understand the medical parts, this, that, and the other. And this is so hard for spouses to know. Well, you know, yes, I mean, it is. It, it is. It, it's hard. It's a lot to expect from them too, because, uh, well, and nobody knows their medical situation better than the patient themselves, and it, yeah. it's hard to even describe it to someone. And my all always worried about her, and uh, but I was pretty sure he was 100 percent right for over 10 years. By yeah. when he died, but uh, and I think that's yeah. probably how she got the award. Yeah, and that, that's uh, yeah. Really and, and, but uh, that's something else, folks. Real quick, if there's any record left, yeah. make sure that you realize if your husband or if your spouse has been service connected, look up and see. If, make sure that you look at the effective date and it's 100. percent It's been 10 years. You're not going to have a problem. That's right. That's good. Yeah, that's good, a big good rule. For you. And that yeah. award letter should be right in that the death file. Right. Now, and if your husband was IU and wasn't 100 percent, which is getting paid for IU, then yeah. you might have you, you got to have a battle on your hands him, because basically that's a, a that's a whole different ball game. Yeah, that that can be real tricky, real tricky. Yeah, because it reverts it reverts back to his rating. Yeah. Boy, and the thing is, one never knows. I mean, uh, we have a widow now whose husband is going to die from a type of cancer that does not fall under the age of presumptive. But on the other hand, Uh-oh. maybe it was metastasized from an agent orange cancer. And she'll only oh, know that if she gets his medical records. I mean, there's a lot to mm-hmm. all of it, a lot to yeah. it all. That would require an autopsy. They can they can find that in an autopsy. They yeah. can do chemical tests and they can do tests on it and see. But uh, guys, we're completely out oh, of time. We got a recording left at all. So. <laughs> okay. Well, it's been great, guys. A great show. No, always. No, it's been amazing. Always. You're welcome. You've been listening to the Hadit.com Blog Talk Radio Show, sponsored by Hadit.com. All opinions expressed here are the opinions of the individuals appearing on the show and are not the opinions of Hadit.com or Blog Talk Radio. Tune in next time for another edition of Hadit.com Blog Talk Radio and the Ask Master Show. <laughs>